And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We invite you to work in our hearts this morning, convicting us of where we need you and where we've maybe rebelled and avoided you and drawing us to you as the one that we need, the one in whom we can trust. And uh, so we pray that you would work this morning, that it would be your words that we hear from your word and in our hearts this morning. As we pray this in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. And so before jumping into our text this morning, I want to give you a little bit of background as to why we're talking about being held by God. So this was, uh, August was a rough month for me in a lot of ways. I was transitioning in uh, my work and so... Um, and then my grandpa was under hospice care, and um, there were lots of things going on that made it hard for me to know that God was with me, to know that God cared about me. Um, and then during this series of identity, we were invited one morning to invite the Lord to come and touch our hearts. And just prior to this service, I was driving to Holland one day to be with family as my grandpa was passing away, and I was just telling the Lord how I was feeling and how I was frustrated with all the changes going on, how I didn't understand everything that was going on. And it was during this drive that I was convicted in my heart that I felt really alone. Uh, just like, God, God, are you really here? Do you really care? Do you see what's all going on right here? This is really hard. And so coming into church that Sunday, I had this lie that I was alone and uh, just being myself, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm sure God's just going to remind me that he's with me, which is a marvelous truth. Um, but our God knows what we need and the truth that we need to hear. And so I, as I invited the Lord to speak into my heart that morning, um, he said, Marissa, you are held. And that was a huge revelation of a God who not only is with us through the mountains and the valleys, but a God who invites us to come and be held by him when we're going through these challenging times. And this God is an intimate God who loves us and draws us close to him. And so we're going to be looking at that in the passage of Deuteronomy 1, 19 through 33. So you can turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 1, chapter 9, or verse 19. And so this passage takes place, uh, Moses is giving a speech to the Israelites. They have just concluded their time of 40 years in the wilderness, and he is addressing them and reminding them of where they've been and uh, challenging them and encouraging them and exhorting them to know God, to know him for who he is, to trust God, that he is faithful and what he's done with his people. He'll continue to be faithful as they continue on their journey with him. And so uh, we'll be looking uh, in the specific truth that God carries them and holds his people. But Deuteronomy 1.19. Then, as the Lord commanded us, we set out from Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, and went toward the hill country of the Amorites, through all the vast and dreadful wilderness that you have seen. And so we reached Kadesh Barnea. Then I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. 
See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Then all of you came back to me and said, Let us send men ahead of us to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we are to take and the towns we will come to. The idea seemed good to me, so I selected twelve of you, one man from each tribe. They left and went up to the hill country and came to the valley of Eshkol and explored it. Taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it back down to us and reported, It is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, The Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw Anakites there. Then I said to you, Do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and in a cloud by day, to search out the places for you to camp, and to show you the way you should go. This is the word of the Lord. And so to start this morning, I have a question for you. How many of you, if given the opportunity to move from Michigan to California, would say, yep, pick me? (laughs) Hey, we got Tammy over there, we got Mary. (laughs) California is an exciting place for some of us living in Michigan, especially anticipating winter. We would long for some California sunshine and the beauty of the beauty of the landscape out there. And I was actually presented with this opportunity back in 2016. And so I graduated from Kuiper College and was headed off to Kelvin Seminary and was invited to be a part of this apprenticeship MDiv program where they paired uh, students in a ministry context and then you would serve in the church and take classes to complement that. And so the option came for me to move to California and to check out if that church would be a good fit for me to serve for two years. And so I went out there in June and met the pastor, was able to get together with some of the young adults as they had a nice young adults group at their church, which was exciting for me. It's like, here's some potential friends and was able to enjoy the beauty of the landscape and the mountains and enjoy a worship service there. And that was uh, a, a nice experience, too, to realize that churches. A different culture, but we still worship one God. And so I came into the pastor's office. He says, okay, why don't we sit down and talk about this apprenticeship opportunity? 
And so I sat down across the table from him, and we were talking about this apprenticeship and all the different responsibilities, as most likely I'd be working with middle schoolers and would be able to be involved in different capacities with the ministry. And then he posed the question, would you like to be a part of this? And up until that point, everything was all exciting. But then, all of a sudden, the reality sunk in that moving to California would require a lot of change and a lot of sacrifice. And all of a sudden, I was filled with fear. I was filled with worry. I was filled with doubt. And because I had grown up in the same church for the past 20 years of my life, and that was the only church I knew. I'd only lived 25 minutes of home from home ever in my life. And I had just graduated from college, and then they're like, hey, here you go. Here's a ministry role. Just do this. And I'm just like, I'm not adequate for this task. And uh, so pondering all of these uh, excuses and doubts to what God might be calling me to, I also questioned, God, why would you send me 3,000 miles away from home to do your work? Isn't there another way, God? Are you sure this is where you're calling me? And so it's in our text this morning that the Israelites are facing this similar uh, burden, in a sense, as they come before the Lord. Uh, that God offered them this awesome opportunity, this promised land. It was good and it was fruitful and they came back rejoicing. The land is good. And then right after that, it's, wait a minute, did you guys see this land? There are strong, powerful people that live in this land. And there are huge cities, and this city is filled with power. Why would God bring us into this trap? He's offering us this promised land and then puts this huge barrier up before us to get there. I mean, if we try to fight against these Amorites, we're going to die in battle, aren't we? And so they say these words to the Lord. The Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They were brought to this point, this end of themselves. They didn't have the strength to fight the Amorites on their own. They, it was an impossible challenge. And they questioned God. God, you can't possibly have this be a part of your plan. Can you, God? God, are you, how do we trust you when we're faced with such an impossible obstacle? And so they doubt God. They lack this trust in God. And this isn't new in Scripture. In fact, we start way back in the beginning in Genesis where with Adam and Eve. And so Eve is tempted by the serpent to eat this fruit. And it's in this moment that Eve doubts God. She doubts God's decision and his command to not eat from this fruit because she thinks she knows what's better. And then we move to Abraham. And God promises Abraham, you'll be the father of many nations. And so Abraham trusted God, that God would provide. But then as the years went on, and he was old and his wife was old, he looked at the situation and said, God, your timeline doesn't work. There has to be another way. And so he slept with Hagar to continue the line that way. And then we come to Moses. 
And God meets Moses in this burning bush and says, Moses, I'm going to use you to deliver the people out of the land of slavery and into this promised land. And Moses is like, God, you can't use me. Do you, do you see who I am? I, I'm just one, one guy. I don't have the power to do this. And so he doubts that God could really use him. And then we come to the Israelites. God delivers them from Egypt, and they're on their way to the promised land, and then they're walking along, and all of a sudden, the Red Sea is before them. And the Egyptians are behind them, and they cry out to God, cry out to Moses, Why did you bring us into this desert only to die here? I mean, don't you see? The army's just going to come and kill us here. What kind of God does this to his people? And then they don't trust God to provide water for them. They don't trust God to provide food for them. They don't trust that God will provide for them to fight this battle against the Amorites and against all these foreign nations. And the question they face is, can God really be trusted? Is God really good and all-powerful when these circumstances really don't seem to say that that's true? Is God faithful to his promises? And these are questions we face too sometimes. When life is going well for us, it's easy to trust God. It's obvious to see that his will and ours are in one accord. And we don't have to work to trust him because we're trusting ourselves. Um, And then when difficult times come, We're forced to reconcile the goodness and faithfulness of God with our present circumstances. We're challenged to believe that God really is who he says he is, and that what he calls us to, he'll provide for. And who he says we are, we actually are. And so it's easy to trust God, in a sense, when life is going well, but then when we lose our job, or when someone we love passes away, or when we make a mistake that hurts others and ourselves, it becomes harder. And so we see that a prime example of this in our passage from last week in 1 Samuel with David and his men. They're utterly exhausted after fighting, and they come back to Ziklag where they were staying only to see it completely destroyed. And their women and children taken away, and all the men cry out, Why? How can we trust that our God is going to give us the victory? Why did God have to take away the people that we love? And so we too find it hard to trust God when things we love are taken from us. And when we face these challenging situations that we have no control over. Times like this are hard because we come to the end of ourselves. We don't understand We don't have control over the situation. We can't see into the future and see that what God says is going to come to pass. And then we can't do it on our own. We're not strong enough. And so in all these trials, we're looking for answers, for someone to blame. And we find ourselves saying what the Israelites said and thought, God hates us. 
God, do you see what I'm going through? Because if you're really good and all-powerful, wouldn't you do something different about my circumstance? God, don't you see how I'm hurting right now? Why don't you, why don't you change this? Why are you doing things this way and not the way I want you to do it, God? Doesn't he understand this pain? And it's in cases like this where we're overwhelmed by our circumstances that it doesn't seem like God is who he says he is and that he really can bring something good out of this challenging time. And it was, these were the same emotions that I faced when I was in California, wondering, God, why would you send me to California? Yes, it's a great and exciting place, but God, this is going to require me leaving everything behind, everything I love, uh, my school, the people who have been around me to support me. How could I trust, God, that you'll provide for me? And so this is the impossible reality. We face things in our lives that we can't control, that we can't change on our own, And where we come to the end of ourselves realizing that we can't. And this, my friends, is the beginning of the gospel. Recognizing that we are broken people who can't change the world, who can't control the world, who are sinful and broken people. But God, not because he had to, but because of his great grace, offers us this hope He promises in this passage that he carries his people like a father carries his children. I was reflecting on this and how this is just such a beautiful picture uh, where God says, it's like he says, rebellious, broken, doubting Israel, you are mine. When you are wandering in the wilderness and you have no water to drink and you have no food to eat, come to me, Israel. When you're facing these battles that you cannot conquer them in your own strength, come to me, Israel. I will fight for you. I will hold you as a father holds his children. Trust me. Come to me. I am almighty God. I am faithful. I am mighty I am loving. I can offer you peace and comfort that nothing in this world can offer you, Israel. Come to me, be held in my arms, and know that I am God. I am your God. And so Moses is showing us here who God is. God is a shepherd to his people who fights for and defends them. He is a God who comforts with rod and staff, as we read in Psalm 23. And he is the father who says in Isaiah, Do not fear, for I am with you. I Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so when the Israelites were faced with this daunting battle, God says, I am your strength. I will uphold you. And then Jesus continues on this theme in Matthew, where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And it's easy for us. We long for this rest. But friends, the news is better. Jesus says, Come to me. God knows 
God knows what you're going through. God sees what we're going through. And so he knows what we need and he invites us to come to him to receive all that he has for us and to come to him to be held in his arms. And so God invites Israel into this. He invites them to come with their fears and worries as this younger generation of Israelites is stepping into this promised land. They're going to face all of these battles and God says, come to me. I am your God. You can trust me. And he invites them to come to him, not for answers, but to come, have, invite them to come to him. He offers them his presence. He is enough. He's all that they need. And so he invites them to come, to feel the warmth of his embrace, to know that he is sovereign God and loving Father. He is faithful and he is mighty. He is near to the brokenhearted and rescues those who are crushed in spirit. He will carry their burdens. And he is the loving father who runs to embrace this rebellious son because that's who he is. He is God. And he says, Israel, just come. Come to me. Trust me. I am God. And this same God invites us to come to know him as God to be held by him as his beloved children. He invites us to stop striving and to stop searching for answers and stop holding on to this control. And he invites us to just let go and run to him. This won't necessarily change the pain. It won't take this pain away. It won't change the circumstance. But we can find this comfort in the arms of a God who holds us in the midst of that pain. He knows what we're going through and he sees what we're going through. And so we wonder, what does this look like? How can I be held by God? And so it starts in a hard place of surrender, repentance, and faith. And so we come come before the Lord surrendering our desire for answers to him and ask for faith to trust him. And we're, we're able to be open and honest with God. It's such a gift. He's a relational father who loves us and says, tell me how you're, how you're feeling. And so a way we can do this is using the Psalms. The Psalms give us a a way to express those feelings of lament to the Lord that we don't even know how to speak to him or these feelings of hurt and just confusion. And God invites us to come because he wants to speak to and minister to us. And he invites us to come to him to be still. And to know that he is God. And we may have heard this many times, but I can testify that this is hard. It's hard because we don't know what it's like to just be still. Everything in life is so fast-paced that we just want to fill time with all of these things. And God says, just just come. Come be with me. Come to me with all of your doubts and your insecurities and all of your fears and all of the desires you have for answers and just come to me. And it's in this vulnerable state that we come to the Lord and he meets us and he holds us and he ministers to us by his spirit. And the Israelites didn't have this gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling within them, but we do. We have this gift of a Holy Spirit who comforts us who guides us, who speaks truth to our hearts 
because he knows us more intimately than we know ourselves. And so as we're held in the arms of the Father, he ministers to us by his Spirit. And then not only do we have God within us, but we have a living, reigning Savior who made himself nothing in order that through him we might have everything. And we have Jesus. We have this gift of salvation. This is our testimony. And we remember this this morning at this communion table, that through Christ's death, we are forgiven. And through his resurrection, we are invited to make him Lord of our lives. And friends, we might lose everything. We might be in a desert season, a season where nothing makes sense and where we feel alone and abandoned like no one cares and like we have nothing to hold on to. And it's in this place that God says, let go of your striving and come, come to me. Stop holding on to the comforts of this life. Stop holding on to this control of all the things that happen in life. Hold on to Jesus. He'll bear the burdens for us and he'll carry us through the valleys and up the mountains. And if you've been listening to this point and think that this is just a nice sermon of how God holds people who are weak and vulnerable, the Lord convicted me that this is an incredible picture of God's grace. And it's twofold. He says, first, let go. Let go of everything that you're holding on to. I know this is hard. I know you love control in life, and it's going to be hard to let go. But God is worthy of it all. He's worthy of all we have. And so in his grace, he says, I know you can't do this on your own, but I can. And you're invited to come with all of your fears and doubts. Come to me. It doesn't mean to not do anything, but it means to let go of control and trust that God is faithful and at work in our lives in the midst of all of this. And it's recognizing that we're not God. We don't have all the answers. We can't bear all of our burdens by ourselves. And just like Israel had to let go of relying on themselves and their own strength, we too are invited to let go and come. Come to God. Come and feel the warmth of his embrace, of his presence that is always with us, that is love, that is peace, that is joy, that is hope, to come to him. And so, friends, what do you need to let go of to be held by God? What's holding you back from living into this calling and this identity that God's placed on your life? So God invites us this morning, let go and come. Come to him if life is going well. If you've received this good news, if you're living into this calling that God's placed on your life and everything seems to be falling into place, let go and come to him. Rejoice with him. Be with him and affirm him as your father. And if life is hard... If you're disappointed, if you're confused, if uh, unforeseen circumstances came in the way and uh, it's hard to trust God, come to him. He is God. He knows what we need. 
And even though the situation might not change overnight, he is still God and he doesn't change. He is always good. He is always faithful. He is always loving. He is always just. He is a God of peace and a God of hope and a God who holds us. He holds me and he holds you. And so it's in this uh, truth that the Lord met me when I was deciding on this decision of whether or not to go to California or to stay in Michigan. And it was hard. God invited me to let go, and I didn't want to let go. Let go of, let go of my family, let go of my friends, let go of everything that I knew, and, and to trust Him. That he would lead me into what was good, into what he was calling me to, and that he would be God, that he would be faithful. And and I would love to tell you how it was the best year of my life living out in California, <laughs> but it was it was a challenging desert season, I think, for me. And I think that's the hard truth of this passage: that circumstances might not change, and that pain might not be taken away. But it was in that season where God stripped me of all these identities that I placed on myself. Um, this identity that I'm strong, that I'm good enough on my own, that, oh, well, I'm, I'm the pastor's kid. Or, okay, well, I'm, I'm that outreach girl who can just do all these things. And God says, Marissa, this isn't what it's about. It wasn't about being fo- found in all of these different identities, but it was being found in God. And he helped me to see that my identity was found only in him. And the fact that he is faithful, that he is loving, that he is good, that he would satisfy the desires of my heart when it seemed like nothing else could because he is enough. And so he invited me to let go and come. And he invites us to do that this morning, to let go and come, come to him because he is God. And so let's pray. God, this is hard. Everything in us wants to control our own lives. We want to make all the decisions for our lives because we think we know what's best. We think we know what's good. We don't want to do what the things that will challenge us. We're afraid. And so, God, we pray that you would help us to let go of all of our strivings for control. And all of our desires to know what's next and to be strong in and of ourselves and to run to you. You are the Father who invites us into this experience of being held in your loving arms. You are God and you say, come to me. Come to me as you're broken. I will give you rest. I will love you with an everlasting love. I will reveal to you how I've been faithful and promise you that I will continue to be faithful. I will provide for you. And so, God, we thank you that you are God. You are worthy. We thank you for holding us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.